Good morning. It is so good to be home, to be home, to be home. Always preferable uh, to to being away. Uh, we're going to start in John chapter 8 this morning. We'll make our way to Exodus and Genesis uh, in our opportunity to study God's Word. And I hope that's how you feel about that uh, opportunity. Uh, we're just so thankful that you've made the choice to be here uh, with us. It's such an encouragement to see you. Uh, to hear your voices, to get the opportunity to fellowship with you. Uh, and uh, we know that God is honored in that. Um, uh, more and more every day, I'm so thankful that the Lord honors uh, joyful noise because uh, we can all make that, right? Um, we need to do the best we can, obviously, but it's good to know that He accepts that. And uh, just want to take a minute to remind everyone, uh, I try to post, we've been making a uh, RCA podcast, been interviewing some great people uh, and continue to do so. And I think that's just a neat way that uh, you can keep plugged in uh, with what's going on here at the school and the ministry that you are so uh, good at supporting and maybe hear ways in which you can support even more. Um, and so we've interviewed some great folks, some students. Uh, and so I'm sure we'll uh, have Miss Mays on there soon as well. I'm going to encourage you to do that. You can always find those on the website. Um, www. I always just do two W's for some reason. Uh, RCAKnights.org. Uh, we got Spiritual Emphasis Day coming up on the 22nd of September. Um, and I would love for us to, if we could get that prayer walk together behind the river, I think we could do that with our students. Uh, if anybody's interested, and maybe the motion has already been made to do that, so that would be great. Um, and then, of course, I sent out the gate schedule. If you can serve at one of our athletic events, uh, that would be awesome. Uh, we've also got an opportunity to sit in with lunch and give teachers uh, a duty-free lunch if, if that's something you'd be interested in. I'm sure you'd talk to Susan or one of the Susans, uh, the multiple that we have. They're all great. But uh, just encourage you to be in part uh, in however you can. Ultimately, that begins with prayer. We covet your prayers for the ministries here, and we hope that you're doing that. But uh, as we read, I think it's interesting that Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 14 makes the statement, For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. And so in that statement, what is inferred is that if there's confusion uh, about a text or a scripture, it's usually with us, right? We kind of muddy the waters from time to time. And there are difficult scriptures that are hard to, especially from a Hebrew or Greek to English, sometimes our English doesn't do a great job of getting all the meaning there. And so certainly it's not dissuading people. Actually, it's trying to encourage those at Corinth to know that if there's confusion on something, it's usually our doing. We bring the confusion. We try to read something. And I'm certainly a sinner in that aspect. I've done that. I'm sure that 10 years from now, I'll look back and go, man, that guy in 2023, what was he thinking? But that's the beauty of the journey. We are on a journey together. And we look in John chapter 8, and I think it's interesting as we make our way back to Exodus and Genesis that we pick up where, what Jesus was dealing with, the culture that he was speaking to when here on earth and in his earthly ministry. And we get to chapter 8, uh, and that, that chapter begins with the woman caught in adultery, which is a famous passage. It's a wonderful passage, and it's kind of an example of where he's going. And we've talked at length that these writers in the Gospels especially were thematic and so they would give you an illustration of something that Jesus said, or Jesus would say it, and then they would give an illustration. 
And so I think that's not lost here, and I would encourage you to read all of these chapters on your own time as we don't have enough time to do all that justice here in this time that we have. But chapter 8 and verse 12, it says, And Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And so there's a several things that he infers there, right? you got to know... Uh, that you're lost before you can start looking for the path. You've got to know that you're walking in darkness separated from Him. And so there's an aspect of truth that we must hear and then also believe just to be open to hearing what the text has to say to us. And so he talks about, I am the light. Think about what a definitive statement that is. He is not leaving the pathways open. And these, this, he is God, and he's the same God who pushes the envelope. In every story, we have a meaning to the person involved, and then we have this larger meaning that God is pushing the envelope. We have somewhat described God in our culture today it's kind of that uh, dog that we leave at home, right? We, we leave Landry, our golden retriever, at home, and we go do our business, and then we come home, and we feed her, and we treat her, and we are the caretakers of her. And we've kind of described God as that way, and we've kind of watered him down and domesticated the line of Judah, and it's a God who refuses that role in our life. He challenges us and challenges society at a level. He does not back down in chapter 8. You will not find the peace-loving hippie Jesus in John 8. He pushes the envelope to the point that the same Jews who we'll read in a minute who believe in him pick up rocks to kill him. Uh, he does not sense their belief and go, okay, they're in the club, so now I'm going to really soften what I have to say. In fact, it's quite the opposite. They believe we will find out how much they believe. What are the boundaries to their faith in believing in me? We look at verse 31 through 33. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, if you abide, right? If then statement, if you abide in my word, if my word is important to you, later he will say, or maybe before this, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And to know His commandments, you got to read them or hear them from somewhere. How can I know unless someone teaches me? And so it, we're, we're lost to begin with if we are not abiding in His Word. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. He does not say the truth will be painless. He does not make that guarantee. He says the truth is what sets you free. When we come to the understanding of where we are in the story, it can set us free. Only then, they answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is that you say you will become free? Well, that's interesting because we'll head to Exodus, right? <laughs> in just a few seconds, we will, we will head in that direction. In John chapter 14, we see a much more intimate setting. Jesus and his disciples and he discusses this very idea. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. You say you believe in God. If you believe in God, then you believe in me. Once again, a very definitive statement. You cannot say, I believe in God, but the Jesus guy, I'm not really too sure about. 
Right? And I think you can make that the same statement for the Holy Spirit, right? I believe and love that Jesus guy, but it's God the Father I just can't deal with. And he's saying, if you, got, if you don't got one of us, right, you don't have any of us. We're, we're abiding. We are together. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, right? You can trust me for the truth. Think about how many people fit into that category that we can trust for the truth. I would tell you to question anything I tell you when I stand up here and to go find it for yourself. That's the way your faith grows. That's the way you become solidified in Jesus. I would tell you, and you know the way where I'm going in verse 5. Here is the question. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And that will be our transition over to the book of Exodus chapter 2. Exodus chapter 2, if you have your Bibles with you, turn over there with me. In Exodus chapter 2, we have a God who is continuously showing the way to the Father and preparing that way and making it available to us. In Exodus chapter 2, we find the aspect of the truth that God hears. In verse 23 through 24, During those many days the king of Egypt died and the people of Israel groaned because of their... Remember, we've not been enslaved to anyone. Because of their slavery. And that caused them to do what? To cry out for help. There was an acknowledgement to them that we see again and again throughout text, especially in Judges, when they finally, sometimes it takes them seven years to cry out to the Lord for help. And here we see the prodigal son. When they cry out for help, God is listening. God hears us. And God heard their groaning, and God remembered His covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. This goes all the way back to the story of Ishmael. Uh, Ishmael, in, in Genesis chapter 16, verse 11. Let's turn over there together and read this, this account of Ishmael, who is not the person chosen for the covenant, by the way. He is not the chosen child for which that will come from. And people often are, oh, poor Ishmael. And yes, suffering was a part of their life. Don't get me wrong. But he also was tremendously blessed by God. We see chapter 16 and verse 11. And the angel of the Lord said to her, she is, thrown, uh, or she is uh, in this situation between Sarah and Abraham. The angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are pregnant and shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael because the Lord has... Listen to your affliction. He shall be a wild donkey of a man, his hand against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he shall dwell over against all his kinsmen. We, we look uh, just a few chapters over, or actually one chapter, chapter 17, verses 18 and 20. Remember, this is not uh, the covenant child. And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. He's, he's being an advocate for his son, as any of us would. And then in verse uh, 20, As for Ishmael, I've heard you. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and multiply him greatly. He shall father twelve princes, and I will make into him, him into a great nation. In chapter 21, verses 16 through 18, 
we continue the story of Ishmael, right? This, this promising of God's hearing. Verse 16 through 18. Then she went and sat down opposite him a good way off, about the distance of a bow shot. She's, he's dead. I can't bear the thought of watching him die. And uh, she picks up there, let me not look on the death of my child. And he, she sat opposite him. She lifted up her voice and wept. And God heard the voice and, and, and of the boy. And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What troubles you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Up, Lift up the boy, hold him fast with your hand, for I'll make him into a great Nation. Now the beautiful thing is verse 19 does the next step for us. Then God opened her eyes and saw a well of water and she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. See, God not only hears us, He sees us. He sees where you are today. He sees what you're struggling with. He hears your cries. We're going to do share time in a little bit because we believe in a God who hears and sees and remembers, which remember the last time I was speaking, means he's ready to act. He's going to act. Now think about how much blood has been shed, how many child sacrifices have occurred, how many things that pagans have done throughout the history of the world so that the gods, lowercase g, might hear them and act. We see this battle, this face-off later in the New Testament, right? Or Old Testament, right? Call out to your God. Maybe they're gone to the restroom. Maybe they're busy doing something else. And oh, he prays to the God of the heavens. And guess what? Immediately, right? You're like, man, I would love for that to happen for me immediately. But you see, there's a meaning to these people in their struggle. And there's a meaning to you in your struggle. But there's also this overriding meaning that you, if you don't serve the God of the heavens, you're serving a God who is a piece of wood and can't see you and can't hear you and can't even move unless you do it for Him. Unless you pick Him up and move it for Him. And we serve a God who hears us and a God who sees us. And if we hear Him and we trust the way that He shows us, then we also have life. In verse 25 of Exodus chapter 2, He says, And He saw them. He saw their struggle. God sees you when the circumstances aren't great. And I'd be willing to guess if you live long enough, you've actually been in more circumstances that weren't particularly great than the good ones. But the amazing thing is, is the The ones that aren't great often make us savor the good ones the best, (laughs) more so. Yesterday at the funeral, I said, there is no victory without suffering. There is no victory without suffering. We've seen that example in Jesus, right? Tells us that the truth is hearing, and God hears us. He tells us that if to trust the way, we have to... See the way your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You've shown me the way. Now the interesting thing is, is to see that, we look to the other son of Abraham. In Genesis uh, chapter 21 and verse 19, uh, we see this the sacrifice. Then God opened her eyes. We mentioned that. So we go to actually in the truth, we... We chapter, uh, let's see, chapter 22 and verse 4, the sacrifice of Isaac 
On the third day, the third day, the third day, don't ever miss the third day. I'm not going to let you do that. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. This is where God is going to do something great. An opportunity to do something great. I'm not sure in this circumstance we would look at it and go, man, God's fixing to do something great. We also remember Abraham as the father of the faithful because he saw in the struggle an opportunity. That's not denying that it's hard. It's not denying that sometimes we question. In fact, I think we're encouraged to do that. We're never told not to question God. We're not ever told that to have an intimate relationship with someone, you probably are going to question and have harsh things to say and harsh things to deal with. And so I'm not dissuading that at all. I think that's bore out in verse 7. And Isaac said to his father Abraham, my father, and he said, here am I, my son. He said, behold, look, see with your eyes. There is the fire. Here are the materials. Where is the sacrifice? It's not too far of a stretch to realize that later one day Jesus would say, here am I. I am the sacrifice. A sacrifice that if we hear what God has to say, we trust in His way, is a sacrifice that allows us to be a living sacrifice. And so we must find ourselves a way to trust. Abraham lifted up his eyes, verse 13, and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. Also could be translated, the Lord sees. As it is said today, on the mount of the Lord it shall be seen or provided. You ever said seeing is believing? God knows how we are. He knows that sometimes he has to, in the case of Ishmael, in the case of Isaac, and certainly in the case of Travis Creasy, he's got to go, look, that's it. You are so unobservant. (laughs) Here it is. And I'm so thankful for people that do God's will to help me observe the obvious because I need all the help I can get. I need all the help I can get. Said by myself, I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven, as the sand that is on the seashore, and your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. God is telling us and anyone else who reads this story, I am the God of life and human flourishing. Now, why would he tell us that? Because every other God is not. We go to Exodus and we look at Egypt and we see people who worship death. That have a culture of death. And what he is telling us through Abraham is that is not me. That is not it. God is the God of human flourishing. How can I know if this is of God? Do humans flourish by it? Or does it bring about death? God is the God of human flourishing. And if we trust that... It leads to life. Exodus chapter 1. Exodus chapter 1, we go and see what a fear of the Lord does for these midwives, right? In Exodus chapter 1, verse 16 through 17, When you serve as a midwife to the Hebrew women, this is Pharaoh speaking to them, and see them on the birth stool, if it is a son, you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter, she shall live. 
Egypt, death, worshiping death. And eventually, we may get to that story, God tells them in the last plague, if that's what you want, here it is. If that's what you want, as He eventually will say to all of us, if we choose to rebel against Him, He eventually will say, if this is how you want it, here it shall be. It's free will. You can make that choice. Thankfully, these midwives saw it that way. Verse 17, But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them. This is telling you the whole story. Fear God. Keep His commandments. Human flourishing. Secularize everything. I mean, we're getting the path, right? Secularize everything leads to human death and punishment and evil. Religious people have done this. We, God's okay. We're going to do it our way. And, and how does that work out? So the king of Egypt called the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this and let the male children live? The midwives said to Pharaoh, Can you imagine the guts? <laughs> I mean... This man thinks he's God, right? believes he's God, was taught growing up, you are a God. What you says goes. And here we see how the play is going to work out the rest of the way. Midwife said to Pharaoh, because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwife comes to them. So God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and grew very strong. Human flourishing. Wherever the Jews go, even the not-so-great ones, blessings happen. It's, it's kind of wild. It's like they can't even help themselves. So what have we mapped out today? We've mapped out Jesus' answer in John 14 and verse 6. If you believe in me, if you believe in God, believe in me, because I am the way, I'm going to show you the path. God sees you. I am the truth. He leads us. If you keep reading Exodus, He leads them in the wilderness. The truth that leads to life. And really the only life worth living. The only life worth living. The true life. And so the question is, what are you doing today? All right, are you on the path? Do you fear God? Are you sitting there going, I don't understand everything, but I trust that He's going to take care of it. That's a great statement of faith. To be able to say, I am lost without Him. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds tomorrow. Today we have a great opportunity. We're going to sing this song of encouragement, and that's exactly what it's supposed to do. Wherever you are at in your relationship, in your walk, in that way, the truth and life with Jesus it's to encourage you. If you're, if you're a Christian, you've been living that life, and you know, hey, there are things I don't get right, welcome to the club, right? All of us could high-five you on that. We, we've all felt that probably in it ourselves today. There's always things that can be better. It's to encourage you to keep walking. Keep trusting that He's laid that path out to you in your journey, and whatever that looks like, you're not alone. Maybe today you're, you're a Christian, but, man, it just feels like the weight of the world. Man, I feel you. I feel like I've put about two weeks worth of life into the last four days. And uh, you know, when we took the kids to the game, I, I knew it would take me a week or two to get over it, right? Uh, it's got that point where you take a vacation. You've got to take a vacation from your vacation. I'm right there with you today. I'm tired. I'm worn out. 
I'm trusting God gives rest. If you're not a Christian this morning, or you've turned your back on God, understand that it simply just takes crying out to Him. And this is an opportunity to do just that. And the God of the Bible, not the gods of this world, not the gods in our culture, not the God of convenience, hears you, sees you, loves you, and even when He had all the evidence not to die for you because of your sin, He chose you. And so whatever you're in right now that feels like it's separating you from Him, don't buy into that lie. Don't buy into that. Buy into the fact that He loved you, sent His Son while you had nothing to offer Him. You were dead in your trespasses. So why keep walking that path when there's this new one that leads to life in the Father? There's a way that we can assist you in promoting your relationship with God We all need that. And I would love nothing more than to sit down and study with you to answer any questions to the best of my ability and know that I'm fallible and I make mistakes and I may have the wrong understanding. But God knows that. He sees us, He remembers us, and He's ready to act on your behalf if you'll just cry out to Him as we stand and sing.